recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada, a Get a Grip management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Financially supported by the good folks at the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, this is Restoring Darkness podcast. This episode of Restoring Darkness is brought to you by Evluma. If you're serious about contributing to the reduction of light pollution, go to evluma.com, hover over products, and click on Dark Sky Friendly Lighting. Both the Omnimax and Ariamax lights are International Dark Sky Association certified. The warmer color temperatures of the Omnimax reduce the more easily scattered blue wavelengths, which contribute to glare and sky glow. With Ariamax lights, you get full cutoff, which also means no uplight and a significantly reduced contribution to sky glow. And all of Avluma's outdoor lighting product lines come with dimmable drivers for even more control. If your customer is looking for dark sky friendly fixtures with energy savings while still meeting the demands of decorative lighting, look no further than Evluma. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of dark skies. Welcome back to the Restoring Darkness podcast. On today's show, we have Charlotte Gage. She is a network director for Ad Free Cities, a network of groups across the UK who are concerned about the impacts of corporate advertising on our health, our well-being, the environment, climate, communities, and the local economy. Ad-Free Cities lobby for policy change at the national and local levels. They showcase alternatives and organize locally to stop new advertising sites in UK cities and produce resources to raise awareness about the impacts of commercial advertising. I bet there's a lot of people that don't like these guys, but anyway... Welcome to the show, Charlotte. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for inviting us on. Um, and I'm with my uh, uh, fellow host, uh, John Bullock from The Light Review, oh, yeah. and he's a lighting designer. And so I want to start off um, from the light pollution perspective. So when we look at light pollution, one of the things we know is that sky glow is primarily created or mostly created or I don't, I don't want to be wrong here because someone will email me, but vertically illuminated surfaces contribute a lot to sky glow. And, and with the dawning of LED, these vertically illuminated surfaces have become really bright, like much brighter than they were in the days of um, front-mounted up-white halides. Uh, John and and backlit yep. fluorescent tubes. Now we have we're, we're stuck in Jeevan's paradox again, where we just have so much energy available at the point of those existing signs that people can add five, ten times as much light as there was in the past, and the light actually goes spreads quite a bit further because of the the way that LEDs work. Charlotte, tell us a little bit about how before we get into all that though. Tell us a little bit about how. You joined Ad Free Cities and why you're passionate about it. Um, well, we look at uh, the impact of advertising from a community's perspective. So what is the impact of outdoor advertising having on communities and individuals? Um, and we don't believe that that's a good impact. We think that uh, we shouldn't be able to, well, we should be able to take, make up a choice about what we look at in our local environment and mm -hmm. in our public spaces. And the corporate advertising, which is mainly for huge multinationals that have nothing to do with the local economy, local businesses or local people, shouldn't be in that space. 
we get enough of it online, um, on TV. With those mediums, you can turn them off. With outdoor advertising, and particularly these big digital screens which show um, adverts every 10 seconds, you can't turn them off. You can't choose not to look at them when you're walking down the street or when you're driving your car. So our perspective is that they shouldn't be there at all because there's no choice about that. And we should reclaim those public spaces for nature, for murals, for community projects, for other things that don't take money out of the local economy and the local area to multinational corporates who are elsewhere and are just making money out of us. So, and, and I'm not against making money. Um, I'm a business owner, uh, but I agree with you that these, these in Toronto as well, and so you're in the UK and this is also a, an issue of mine. One of the, uh, I live in a rural neighborhood and there's a, an, an industrial area close to it. And one of um, my neighbors, in quotations, my corporate neighbors, he has decided to put a pylon sign out on the highway. And not only is this thing so bright, it's ridiculous, and it's on all night, he also decides to put political messages on his sign. Okay? Now, I would say that I tend to agree with his political views, but I don't care to have them blasted in my face on my way home from work or when I'm driving my kids to hockey practice or whatever. And so I think this, there is a sort of imposing upon people with this. There, there's like an imposition into their lives, which is not invited and not welcome. And it also creates a ton of light pollution. Um, is this a concern for you during the day as well as at night? It is in terms of the fact that these um, adverts are constantly there all the time, flashing at people as they're driving past, as they're walking past. Um, so, yeah, we are interested in not having any advertising at all in public spaces. But what we found is that having them on at night has a huge impact in terms of the light pollution, in terms of biodiversity, but also for human health. Um, and for people living close by. So people report them um, blaring into their uh, houses at night, into their bedroom windows. They have to move to a different room in the house. Their children can't sleep. And there's no way for them to turn them off or for them to um, have a choice about whether they're there or not. So when there are no consultations about when they're going to be put up. So people don't have a choice. They just appear outside their house from nowhere. Um, and they have a huge impact on their lives if they can't sleep, they can't concentrate, they're not, they have to put black up blinds out. Sometimes that doesn't even work. They have to always close the curtains. So there is obviously an impact in the daytime as well. Um, but the key one that we're talking about right now is, is about the light pollution at night. Um, and we believe that they should just be turned off, like absolutely turned off between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., which some are. But the majority are not, particularly the ones that are on roads as well. So that's a road safety issue, as well as a light pollution and an issue in terms of biodiversity as well. You know, I can't help but remember, I lived in the UK in, from 1998 to 1999 and in Belfast. And I think I remember all the road signs being cigarette ads. But um, the what they did was they, they disallowed them from having the brand, so they Silk Cut just put their purple symbol up on the sign. And actually, they reported, I think there was, I read a report that it was more effective, actually, than, than otherwise. But there seems to be a correlation between um, casinos, cigarettes, and other addictive things, and roadway signs, strip clubs, um, 
and other road, uh, other types of um, addictive behaviors and road signs. Is this is my gut instinct on that correct, Charlotte? Yeah. So some of our work is also looking at the content of ads, um, and as you said, tobacco advertising used to be prevalent, used to be everywhere, and then that was brought in to be banned. So all tobacco advertising is now banned in the UK, which is great because we understand the impact that has on health, on young people starting smoking and that kind of thing. So that makes sense. Um, but we think there are lots of other products that should also be banned in the same way. So there's a move now towards junk food ads being banned, particularly around schools, um, but because of the impact on young people and on obesity and health generally in the UK. So yeah, that's content that seems to be, people kind of understand that as well. There is kind of the research about that. It's happened in London on the transport, transport network there, um, and it's had a huge impact on health. So those kind of things are sort of low hanging fruit, people get it. But we're also interested in banning other types of products which we think see as very harmful, such as um, the fossil fuel industry, such as cars, um, flights and airports, because we see all these products as also contributing to health issues and to, the, to climate change and the climate emergency. So yeah, we would also want to ban other products and other content on advertising as well because of the impact um, on, yeah, on the environment and on people. I don't know what it's like in the UK, but um, I would really love if they stopped making, forget about the advertising and just make tobacco illegal. That would be a, or nicotine, for example, would be a good thing to just make illegal or start making it grandfathered or something. I think Australia has done that. But that's not the topic of this show to break that, that relationship between the taxes that the government gets from, from killing people because um, they get many millions and probably maybe even to the billions in the States for sure from, from taxing addictive and unhealthy behaviors. Um, but tell me a little bit about a little bit more about the human health side. Is it just nutrition? Is it just my correlation? Or is there some other thing? And we know a lot about light pollution. And so I agree with you on that. But is there anything else in human health that we can we can talk about a little bit? Well, particularly in terms of uh, light pollution and the digital screens using the LED technology, there's a huge um, issue with that in terms of people who are photosensitive mm -hmm. or have, um, have have light sensitivity issues or disabilities. And there's actually an increasing group of people who are having these issues. Um, and we work with a group called Light Aware in the UK, who are a charity who um, support people who are having these issues. And the physical impacts that can be on individuals are from like migraines, they sometimes get dizziness, so it's just difficult to be out and about, but also things like skin rashes and burning sensations and sickness, like really serious things. And um, the people who work with LightAware, some of them, they're not able to leave their houses because there are digital screens on their street or at the end of their road or outside when they're, when they're out and about. So it's a huge issue in terms of actually restricting the access of these, these people to public spaces. Whereas if those digital screens weren't there, they'd be able to just go about their lives and there wouldn't be a disability issue at all. So we're also looking at it from that perspective um, in terms of the light pollution and the kind of unrecognized issues that come from these LED lights that are used in digital advertising screens that have these big impacts on it's a small minority of people, but still for those people not being able to leave their houses, not being able to drive safely, not being able to go down the street because there are so many digital advertising screens. It seems crazy that they should be allowed in, in those public spaces at all if they're having that kind of impact. Well, a lot of people, when 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 
I'll get to one second, John. I just want to throw one more thing out there Sorry. for I'm commenting on what Charlotte had just said. A lot of people, um, when they're assessing this from the LED perspective, they think it's a light level or light color issue that's causing a lot of the health problems. But what they what they don't realize is that especially sign lighting, which is these tiny little LED modules that are stuck on the inside of the screen, okay, behind it, these uh, are these things flicker. Okay, and they and you can't you can see it if once once I point it out to somebody or you take your phone out and put it on slow motion. Okay, so if you take your phone camera out, shine it at the sign and put it on slow motion, you'll see the signs going turning off and on, and it's turning off and on literally a hundred times a second. This is called temporal light modulation, and it causes a vast array of health problems for human beings. And so oftentimes, the the advocates for this, so people that have epilepsy, say, or something like this, will report when they're driving in the dark in cities, they're feeling sick, right? And it's probably more as a result of the temporal light modulation than it has to do with um, any of the light color, or they often think it's the color of the light that's causing the problem. But whenever they report it to me, and I'm just a podcast host, it sounds a lot like what the doctors um, um, uh, that do lighting tell me that come from light flicker, that that's a light flicker issue, that, that problem, rather than a, um, a light level issue. Um, have you guys explored that at all on the health effects side? Well, um, LightAware have done more research and, and have more information about that. But yeah, that's definitely something that they've raised, that um, depending on how the LEDs are set up for the screens, if they do have that flicker on them, then that can have a much bigger impact on people. Yeah, for example, with epilepsy. Um, yeah, if they're seeing those all the time. Um, but in terms of the brightness of the light, that um, and turning it off that's something that sometimes when the companies apply to build these digital screens they'll apply with the information on the application about the light levels and when they're, if they're going to turn it off and things like that but often those are very high mm -hmm. or what happens is they actually install the screen and then it's much higher than anyone ever expected it to be and that's when it's kind of blasting into people's homes and they're unable to um, sleep and it's like having a huge impact so but then whenever that's that's reported they always can turn it down so i don't understand why there isn't a, a level that they should be allowed to be at which they're always at which is much much lower and um, because whenever they're asked to turn them down they can do that so yeah there should be a kind of law i think about what the level of light should be for any of these screens i think they should be off after 10 john but you know what um you know, people shouldn't have to be told that they need blackout curtains, John Bullock. No, of course they shouldn't. Of course they shouldn't. Uh, we, we, this, this is, this is yet again, um, <laughs> one, yet again. Here we go. One of those, one of those issues where, where the, the first thing that the lighting industry should do is, is, is that old-fashioned thing: is do no harm. Mm. Do no harm. You know, we just we just nick it off the ancient Greeks, but it's absolutely right. Um, we keep we keep imagining that somehow light is neutral. That the, the the creation of light is it, it, you just do it. You know, it's it's almost it, you can almost hear the sort of the the parallels with the National Rifle Association from your neighbours down south. You know, mm. it's not guns that kill people; it's people that kill people. Well, I'm sorry, uh, but you know, if you hadn't got the gun in your hand, uh, you wouldn't have shot them. And if you haven't done the bad lighting, then people wouldn't be getting migraines. And what we don't do 
is that we have never really up until up until the last few years where we are t we, where we've recognized the importance of health and well-being but we recognize that through circadian lighting we recognize that through things through things like flicker hey we thought that flicker had gone yeah we beat it the idea you we know we, we, the, the idea the idea that, that we, we yeah we, we absolutely defeated it and then suddenly the led comes along and guess what's back terrible um there's a there's a couple of things that are probably worth knowing um there's the institution of lighting professionals have uh reissued their guidance on illuminated signage and that happened this year now it's on my other screen it's the brightness of illuminated advertisements including digital displays uh so it's exactly in in, in this marketplace um and let me just I, I don't i don't normally do this michael um lighting guidance well, before you issued, do that before you do that charlotte just push your mic up about a centimeter and for our u.s listeners a half inch it's a little bit more a little tiny bit better? more yeah go ahead john is that better yeah it oh. is okay, okay good so what they say and this is right there in the second paragraph of the introduction lighting guidance i need to put my specs on Blimey, getting old. As issued by the ILP is recognized as the authority document when it comes to assessing illuminated advertisements by local planning authority, planning officers, planning inspectors, lighting professionals, and advertising industry planning professionals. It is also specifically referenced in, gov in government guidance. It is the only authoritative light lighting guidance in the United Kingdom on which those involved in the planning process can rely. Now, that that's, a, that's a, a wonderful starting point to say we've now got control over everything that we want to do. And this has been written by two friends of mine, um, uh, Peter Raynham and, and Alan Howard, in, you know, lifelong professionals in this industry, and they know what they're talking about. And I read it this morning because I knew this was going to come up this afternoon, but I didn't know. I was just interested to see how far they've taken it. And the one thing that they haven't done is they haven't made any comment. And I get why they haven't. They haven't made any comment about the what the light is being used for. Mm. They just use that. It's advertising. Mm -hmm. But there's no moral context in mm. terms of what is that content. You know, is you know, are, are, are we are we pushing impossible lifestyles? Are we pushing bad environmental choices? Mm. The, the, the bad body the, images, the, bad body images. Bad body, yeah, that that the list it really is endless, mm -hmm. and the feeling is that we're we're missing the point here, and the work that I do on lighting for health and well-being through circadian lighting for care homes and all the rest of it, we have to address how people function under that light because mm. if we don't it's no point there's no point saying well we must have a limiting luminance of this or a maximum illuminance of that mm. if we're not actually looking at what the thing is in itself and i just make make this one this 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 one comment um all the beautiful places all the beautiful places in the world do not have illuminated signboards mm -hmm. i agree with you 100 percent you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. so what are we doing? So that's so that's my position. You know, t technically, I think we're good. 
um, there's, there, there is comment in that document that says the technology, they know what they need to do. And the things that we can do with LEDs that we've never been able to do with any other source is we can control the direction of the light so we can stop light pollution by forcing the light that way. Mm -hmm. All we need is the people who are making the damn signs to actually follow the tech. The tech is out there, but it's a lot more money. It's probably going to be double the price if you start putting that kind of optics into it. So they're saying they, you know, that in order for this to really function, they've got to get a buy-in from the people who are paying for and who are manufacturing and who are maintaining these damn things. And, one, and, and once we can start the conversation, we can then start talk, talking about not having them at all. But at the moment, <laughs> yeah, incremental progress you know, is as, good. What progress yeah, yeah. have you made, Charlotte? Um, so we have a network of local groups, and what they do is they challenge um, applications for new advertising boards in their local cities. And just to say that um, we don't see any applications for paper and paste boards anymore. All the applications we see are for digital screens. So mm. there is a kind of concerted mm. move across the advertising industry to make sure, make all outdoor advertising spaces digital, which is obviously going to have a huge impact in terms of light pollution and yeah, on the people that we've just been talking about in terms of health um, and, and local biodiversity. So yeah, they, they help, uh, the local groups um, help to block those screens from going up in the first place, because really the only way to stop this happening is to block screens um, because once they're up it's really hard to get them down so that's what the local campaigns do is to um, object to those applications and then they also work with local councils to bring in new advertising policies to, to restrict the content so we've got policies in Bristol and in a few other places now um, where they're restricting junk food alcohol gambling payday loans and we're payday just beginning loans. to see ah, yes. yeah <laughs> and we're just beginning to see people um, working with councils to bring in fossil fuel industry and high carbon products as well. And then we're looking at what you're talking about and um, the tobacco industry earlier. We're, we're looking at also talking about vaping as well as the kind of part of the tobacco. They industry, made nicotine cool again. Tobacco. What a heist. Eh? How the hell exactly. they did that. What a heist that was. Oh, we're going to help people quit smoking. We're just going to get all the kids addicted to vape. What a dirty, rotten trick. And if you're a, if you're a member of a vaping company out there, I hate your guts. You guys are so <laughs> evil. It's like seriously, it's such a problem with our youth. They're so that is such an evil, evil, rotten business that vaping business. I'll tell you that. It's, you know, I, I just, I, can't, I could go on for hours. They, 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 they came out with this moral guise that they're going to help people quit smoking and all they did was got, get kids addicted to nicotine. How they did that, there's two things that blow my mind. How they made war cool again and how they made nicotine cool again is beyond belief to me, actually, how they were able to do that. Let me ask you some, about this. I got an idea for you. Why don't you raise some money and put out a road sign? You advertise on the road signs. Advertise on the road sign saying, this sign is unhealthy and see if they accept your ad. You know, I would say like, just like, you know, you know, fight them on their own terms in a way, you know, or say this sign is producing light pollution. How does it make you feel? You know, something like that, a direct message to the consumers. Well, on the paper and pasteboards, um, there are quite a lot of local activists all over the UK and internationally, actually, who do subvertising. So that's exactly the kind of thing that they do. So they'll actually print out a big sized um, uh, uh, 
poster that you can put up on those big boards and then also use the ones in bus stops as well so there's a mm. bus stop size that you can use and if it's, it's not a digital screen you can you can put a poster in there as well and that's exactly the kind of thing that they do they challenge and speak back to the advertisers and say like what's best use for this space like yeah why are you doing this why don't you plant more trees and instead of having more billboards and that kind of thing. So there are people out there who are doing that, but they're just doing it under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not advocating yeah, we... for anybody to do anything illegal on this show, though. No. <laughs> no. Well, of course not. Uh, but, but, but we, 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 get into, um, we get into a tricky place because um, we've, we've got, in, here in the UK, Michael, we've, we've got an org organization called Led by Donkeys, <laughs> which I don't know if you guys know about. And they do guerrilla... Uh, basically guerrilla advertising. They've put videos together and they've projected onto the Houses of Parliament. Um, they, they, they've, they've, put, they've put video, well, it's, pre, it's all projection, basically. Oh, no, 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 they've got, they've got a truck, haven't they? They've got a truck that they take around, which has got, got, got illuminated sides. Um, and, they are, and they advertise the kind of things that I suspect, Charlotte, that you and I would probably agree with. You know what, though? But hang on a second. Yeah? I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back a little bit on I do. Go I'm going to push back a little bit. I, I, I feel I feel like uh, in observing, especially what's happened with the COVID-19 and the kind of hysteria that went along with that um, on both sides of the argument, whatever side you're on, uh, I'm not judging you if you're in the middle or if you're an anti-vaxxer, a pro, whatever it is, that that's okay. What I'm going to say, though, is that um, in protest, I, I, I don't think these stunts of damaging art of vandalizing things, I don't think these help the cause of law-abiding, decent citizens of the world. I think we need to operate in a space within the law. And I think when we do that, when we operate within the law, and when we avoid the, the crudeness of, you know, violent protest, um, I think we can succeed much quicker. Now, people seem to think that, you know, oh, we make so much progress when we threaten and coerce one another. Uh, I, I, I would say that that's temporary. And um, I think you build up your enemies by being threatened and coercion. And, and if our societies are divided so heavily, we can't succeed. And Charlotte, I think it's, I, I, I would prefer, you know, if you want to reduce light pollution, start the Restoring Darkness podcast. Start creating conversations with people. Do things that are, that are, are respectful and within the law. And I, I, I think we succeed better, succeed better. And all of our great leaders would encourage that from the past as well. What are your thoughts on that, Charlotte? Well, I suppose the reason that people do take over these billboards in their local communities is because they want to take back the space. Mm -hmm. So they're making the point that this space has been taken away from us without our choice. So we would like to reclaim it and do something more positive and productive with it for local communities, like messages around um, the environment, messages around local communities, messages about health, things that actually people want to see in their mm. local communities rather than the big corporate adverts for cars and flights and um, things that people can't afford. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely, it's illegal activity and that's not something that we do as an organisation, but we do stand in solidarity with people who choose to do that because we understand that, that within the, the, um, the world where the corporate advertisers have lots of money and legal backing and can do what they want, basically, this is a way of speaking truth to power and of taking back control of that public space. 
and making the point that actually we want we don't want those things there and we want something better for our communities. What are your voting rates in local municipal elections? Are they below 50%? What does that mean? So if you, you have mean, an election for the mayor, for elections? yeah, yeah. What are the, yeah. What, what are the voting rates? Oh, I don't know. It's, it depends on the local area. It depends on what people are voting for. Like, yeah, it really depends. It's probably sadly very are. low, to be honest with you. It, Often. And, and, and so in, on, in Ontario, we have municipal, municipalities have quite a bit of power over this. And so it would be far more effective to become active in the municipality and the local politics, and people would resonate with these issues. And so if you're a rabble rouser running around causing trouble and breaking the law and risking your future because you may get convicted of a crime, which causes a lot of problems. I don't know how it is in the UK, but if you're convicted of an offense, you can't travel to the United States anymore. There's all sorts of things that happen to you that cause you problems. And they'd hate to see that happen to our young people or any people. Actually, I'm sure there's older people doing it as well. But usually this is these stunts are done by young, aggressive men um, and and women. But, you know. I, I know your friend Nigel Lawson from Rico Light. He's a real, he's up there as well. He's an older guy. But, you know, I don't think this is useful. And I, 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 I'm okay. Like, it doesn't bother me that people stand in solidarity, but I just think it's not useful. I, 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 really, I really believe that if you want to affect change, we have, a, we have democracies. People talk about oh, democracy, democracy. Listen, people in your local community will resonate with these issues 100%. If you speak to them and you say you want to be a ward, I don't know what it's called in the UK. I know you guys have, um, what are they called? Councils, uh, local councils or whatever. In, in Ontario, it's municipalities. We have ward councillors. If you ran on these platforms and you, and you got the youth to vote for you, you'd probably win. I mean, these elections are won with 10% of the vote, some of them. 15% of the actual vote that's available. I'm not kidding you at all in Ontario. I'm sure it's the same in the UK. You can win these elections, especially with the power of social media. So stop the vandalism, in my opinion, and get active in local politics. And guess what? Those jobs actually pay really well, Charlotte. <laughs> in Ontario, they do anyway. John. Do you mind if I bring well, this absolutely. back to Yeah, yeah, bring it back to lighting. <laughs> Let Charlotte comment and then bring, it, bring us back to lighting. Well, I was just going to say that, um, yeah, so our local groups, that's what they're doing is they're, they're working with local councillors and local councils to bring in new policies and to yeah, get policy change at a local level. Unfortunately, what we find is that national policy doesn't support that. So you can have a billboard application um, for a digital billboard to be put up in a local area. You can get hundreds, potentially, of, of local people objecting to it. You can get the local council also objecting to it and saying, no, we don't want that here. And then there's a process of appeal where the company can go to the Secretary of State in Westminster and the whole thing can get overturned and the screen can be put up anyway. So the reality is that the national um, legislation around advertising screens is really problematic and doesn't work. So that's why we're trying to change that at a national level. But that's also why people can feel frustrated because the, the process that's supposed to be de democratic, where local people have a say in what's happening in their local community, doesn't always actually work for them. So yeah, you can see why people want to hit back in different ways as well. The UK, John, West has been far too top heavy for its entire life, I think. Westminster? Well, this, 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 this started, okay, you want to know where this started? This started with Thatcher, with Mrs. Thatcher in the 80s. Um, they started to disempower local authorities because local authorities tended to be representative of the people who lived mm -hmm. there. Sure. And that do. did not, that did That's not the point. suit. The, the, yes, but that did not suit the Thatcher government. 
and therefore they start they started to take powers away from local authorities so the local authorities are, 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 are almost totally toothless and as charlotte oh, said if 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 you, if, you want to, if you want to vote against yes it is a disaster it's it, it's an anti-democratic disaster that has been going on for a generation which we need to pull back now lighting yes please. here's the thing can i can i come back to content again because this sure. is all part of this this sure. is all part of this two things are going on here one we've got we've got a technology that's kind of out of control because it's it's too new and, and we and we haven't we haven't sorted out the nuances of how bright it should be and, and and where the light should go but all of that is possible what we need to look at is content because we either get rid of these all together so that we get rid of the fact that these major global lobbies for particular companies and for particular brand sectors are influencing us in such a negative way. And we open up those screens to the local community so that the local community can put up. You know, how difficult would it be for the three of us to spend half an hour on and create a JPEG that would be an, an, an anti-illuminated um, uh, advertising sign, and you could put it on as, as a sign. If the if the if the wherewithal was there to be able to say, I want to I want to put that up, and it's a community thing, so I want it up for a day, and, and you're not going to charge me for it. It's using the tech in positive ways, mm. so that we can put up positive mm. health messages, so that we can put up positive messages about how you in walking up and down your high street can mm. ha should have a say and and make things make sure that things can happen i just wanted to say one thing oh what well, sorry sorry i just wanted to say one other thing <laughs> we don't have illuminated advertising on motorways it's banned so what happens is that you will find that farmers will allow somebody to come in with a trailer and they'll put an unilluminated oh. sign in a field Okay, sure. but it's nothing like what you get in the States. And I don't yes. know if it's what you get in, in Canada. We have no illuminated signs along motorways until you get into the cities. And when the motorway carves through the center of like the West Midlands, my, my hometown, and, and you get these huge, great, great big illuminated signs on, on a pole, but they're in they're in the lot of a supermarket or of, of, a, of a car distributor, car distributors. So, so they, 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 they can cheat the system that way. But if you're in the middle of, if you're driving through Oxfordshire, you're, you know, you're, you're driving up through Cheshire, no illuminated signs unless it's a roadway sign. So we do know how to do it. We do know how to yeah, do that it. There are some rules which are, are helpful, but unfortunately, because um, the existing legislation doesn't really um, understand the change into the digital, um, it hasn't really caught up with that yet. So that's yeah. where we're seeing the problems. Um, so that w the ways that you can object to these screens don't sort of reflect what the screens actually do. So with this fact of them, yeah, having light pollution, um, being having much more, more, many more adverts in a short space of time, but also the electricity use. So the electricity use for these digital screens is, is enormous. Sure. Uh, for one of the huge billboard ones, it's um, equivalent to about 37 homes per year. Uh, for the smaller ones in bus stops and on pavements, it's about four homes per year. So it also we haven't, we're not able to make the um, case that they shouldn't be there in the first place because they're using up electricity for absolutely no reason. It's like pointless, wasteless, so wasteful use of electricity. 
Charlotte, are, are you yeah. taking that abs that absolutist position then that they should not be there? Yes. Regardless of so what on they the say, whole, they should not be there. On the whole, we do think that they shouldn't be in public space and that people should be able to choose what else should be there instead. I do understand the arguments um, from local councils that they can use them to put health message messages up um, and for local businesses and organisations. But the reality is that's not what happens because those mm -hmm. organisations can't really afford it. And also in the contracts with local councils, the, um, the company might say, OK, you can use 5% of the time of, of those screens for your local messaging. But it's tiny compared to what's there for Coca-Cola or whatever. I'm so, with Charlotte um, 100%. We, I'm with you 100%. Ultimately, we think they shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know, and the, even the public messaging in Ontario, so there, there, is, there is quite a bit of public. Actually, the Ontario government's probably in the local municipalities fund these directly, actually. They pay for a lot of this signage as well. And But you know what? The messaging is so awful on the signs. I mean, and I, I, I would say, I would argue that it's largely useless. Like there's a, there's a big sign on, on, on a highway on the way that I drive into work. And it says, sex trafficking is happening right around the corner from you. And that's it. Like how the hell is that useful to anybody? Driving down the 407, taking your kids to uh, whatever, and your kid's looking at, oh, dad, is there sex trafficking in Markham? It's like, yeah, well, you know what? I, and the government's clearly, that's what they're doing about it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? get a task force at the police department. Take that money and hire some people to investigate this or get this figured out. But, you know, the people driving down the road, how does this help people? I, I really don't understand. And even a lot of the, the COVID-19 public message that was on these boards was, was largely, I, I think, a complete waste of time. Everybody knew what was going on with COVID. We didn't need any more messaging. You know, everybody knew what the hell was going on with that. So... Um, but I would say this, if you're disenfranchising your local municip your local councils, like we're, they're doing it here in Ontario now, they're removing powers from municipalities now. This is what's happening. They're taking away the development powers away from the, from the municipalities. Mm. You can't expect people to not lash out against that, actually. You can't expect them. If you disempower them and disenfranchise them, and uh, people will, 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 um, will react to that in meaningful ways which are not productive. And I mean that, I mean, meaningful ways which are not something we want in our society, which is vandalism and destruction and, and this kind of stuff. So, you know, I... Uh, it, I it, 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 it won women the votes. Vand vandalism and destruction won votes for women. Well, it's um, also going to win it, Ireland. It, it's independence. So, do you, you know, do you agree with the well, Sinn Féin IRA uh, tie-up that was largely, you know, happened in, the, in, in Northern Ireland for what? 80 I'd years or whatever I'd, it was I'd, I'd rather not comment on that thank you but i mean like the listen where where do you go with that that's where that goes when you when you're insisting you know hey like when people say well martin luther king was nothing without malcolm x and so they needed the they needed the carrot and the stick in order to end this to, to create the civil rights movement you know I, I just don't buy into the need for violence i don't buy into it i don't think we need it, it. i, I hope was, we're smarter than that I was talking to friends who are a part of Extinction Rebellion uh, yet just yesterday, and it's interesting that I, I, I'm sure Charlotte, you've got friends who are part of XR as well, haven't you? Yeah, of course you have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they are, they are obliged now to, to to find new ways of doing things because 
um, it is becoming so difficult when you know, like my friend Nigel, who gets hauled up into into court, in, you know, looking very dapper in his in his collar and tie, and he's, he's he was picked up three times and he's been fined for three times. But the next time he does it, the chances are he could end up in prison. So XR around the country are looking at new ways of doing things, and they're talking about engagement. Mm. They're actually talking about you know, stopping you on the street and let me talk to you about about the climate about the climate crisis. How about now, getting people to vote? Like that would well, be such a huge impact. But vote, we, the, the, democracy in Canada and democracy in the UK is you put a cross in a box once every five years, and that is your lot. And as you know, and as people have said, it doesn't matter who you voted for. The government got in. <laughs> so what so what does the rest so what does the rest of us do you know we're, we're trying to campaign for a cycle route to get cyclists off the main a road between my town and the town next door mm. the people who own the land won't let us do that so they keep the mm. gates locked so my idea is okay you want to keep those gates locked we'll supply the locks and we'll keep the key so if you're not going to let us in we're not going to let you in either there has to be some kind of direct action. I'm not suggesting that we burn their house down because that really would be a, a, a bit of a bad deal. But there has to be some kind of stepping over a line that says we need to go to a different place. Here we've got a situation where, yeah, this is a lighting conversation. Light is doing bad things. Mm -hmm. What do we have to do to make people understand that the things that we ask light to do needs to be reviewed? We need to give them the stars yeah. back so that they can have their sense of awe. Every it will do uh, for a start. I'll, yeah. I would say it for sure. They can connect with the universe and realize that they're that they're you know all the wonderful things that happen when we're connected to nature and to the stars and these sorts of things. I think it's a the purpose of this show, and I I really believe in people. Listen, you're crazy. Listen, most people have never seen the Milky Way. Okay, most people. All right. Yeah. And I think it, that has an effect upon them, Charlotte. Yeah, absolutely. And we see with these massive digital boards, they're blasting out light across cities um, all night. But the like's pointless. There's no reason for them to be doing that. You can see them from miles away and, and they're blights on the landscape when people are trying to yeah, yeah look yeah. at the stars or be in the countryside because you can see them from so far away. So that's why we um, at the moment are asking for them to be turned off between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. And we've got a petition around that, actually, um, and we'll be writing to the Secretary of State soon um, with some other organizations about that to say, why don't you turn them off? Because they're not being looked at. It's pointless to have them on at that time anyway. Um, and we're, and that's following a precedent of what's happening in other countries as well. So in France, they're turned off at 10, in Spain, in Germany. Yeah. And Thank all of those, those links were um, because of the energy crisis. But also they're making that wider point around light pollution and around um, pe people don't have to have these things blasting in their faces all the time. They don't need to be on 24 hours a day. So that's what we're asking for here as well. There's a precedent in Europe. So surely the government here should be able to do that as well. John, Michael, sorry, could yes. you, go ahead. I was just going to say that this this is refreshing because I think Charlotte represents one of the first urban voices mm, that we've heard on 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 restoring Absolutely. darkness. That we, usually it's, it, it's about trying to protect darkness in the dark skied areas. Yes. So around, are you are you in Bristol by any chance, Charlotte? Yeah. 
that's right yeah i thought i thought you might be well i'm in sherborne so i'm just i'm down 40 miles down the road from you and we know how dark it is around x around exmoor and on the mendips and we're usually talking about trying to protect those spaces and we don't hear an urban voice mm. and it's it's it is wonderful to to realize that not it, this is not just the same conversation but we talk about towns instead of villages this is a different context this is about advertising this is about light to get you to do something Mm -hmm. And we it's haven't heard that. We it's haven't heard that, Michael. And not only, yes. not only, not only that. And 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 just to to expand on that, Charlotte, Charlotte's got the first multifaceted argument too. Like, like it, it operates on on a bunch of different levels, not just on the light pollution level. But you know, I I I have two podcasts. I do another podcast on the lighting industry, and I remember I remember talking to the lighting scientists, and they we have this study. What's that? Oh yeah, you know this kind of light is bad for you or whatever. This and da, da, da. and I said, you know, guys, you guys are about, guys are about fifty years late. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, casinos figured out 50 years ago that when you shine white lights into people's eyes directly at a really great rate, they'll give you their paycheck. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, you guys are you're late to the party. And I think the same effect, the same mesmerism, the same hypnotic effect with outdoor advertising. It's funny how you never see vegetables are good for you on a uh, on a billboard. Right, you only see it like it's largely negative sugar, tobacco, alcohol, um, gambling, strip clubs, all this kind of stuff, and then some government advertising mixed into it. It's all negative, and uh, th I think there's a reason why because our, our our eyes become hypnotized. We come to crave, not desire, but to crave these products, and then you know it's like the old Homer Simpson's thing. I've got everything on the billboards. You know, have you ever seen that Homer Simpsons? I check Marge. I check. I crossed the checklist. I got everything that was on the new billboard day. So, Charlotte, um, we're coming up on 45 minutes here. Um, before, uh, you know, we get some final thoughts. Is there anything that we've missed in our conversation with you? Is there anything that you want to tell the, the, the light pollution uh, um, reduction advocates out there? Well, I suppose we haven't really talked about the biodiversity impact of um, digital screens as well which, like you were saying, you might think of that as just being an issue in, the, in, uh, in rural areas, but actually in urban areas, there's also a huge impact in terms of insect life, bats, birds migrating. So there's also that argument as well that we make that um, the impact on the local environment and biodiversity is also huge from these screens with all the different colours and all the different lights and the flashing changes of images. Um, and yeah, that's another reason why they shouldn't be on at night at all, or maybe at all. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's also that, that element of it as well in terms of um, us thinking about the local environment and thinking about um, what animals and insects there are. And, and even if we live in cities, we know there are still those, those animals and insects are around and we want to preserve them and support them and um, having more and more lights doing these things in urban environments isn't supportive for that at all. Um, often these screens will also be next to parks or um, in areas with trees, so they do have an impact on the, on those communities of insects and animals as well. So yeah, that's another aspect that we hadn't talked about yet. John, I, I agree with all of that. It, it's what it means is is that illuminated signage does not it does not live in its own bubble. It is another part of the lighting uh, vocabulary mm. and it needs to be taken as seriously 
and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that the ILP have, have put out a, a, a new new guidance just two months ago, because it just shows that the the leverage is there. The leverage isn't hasn't gone the whole way yet, but it it's that's a difficult one because where we want the changes are not about lighting technology; they are about lighting application, and what those things say. And of course, you know, what we're saying here is that lighting. This kind of lighting has a messaging inside it, which normally we don't think you have, unless, of course, you know, bearing in mind fast food, fast food outlets in the middle of the countryside that were lit to a thousand lux, because that's exactly what you need to have when you when you're driving down a dark road. I think I must stop for a burger. <laughs> so they've been, you know, they've been doing it all all that time. So so so, so yes. Uh, we, we've we've got to tie these things in. We've got to tie these things in together. It's another form of of illumination. It's not just a piece of lit advertising. It's illumination, and we've got to look at it much much harder. But we would argue it's a bit of pointless illumination. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be there at all. Like the only yep. thing it is doing is advertising for big multinational companies. If we're talking about not having so much light pollution in the world, then taking down these screens and not having them on at all would would have a huge impact on that. And because they're they're I'll, wasteful and they don't they need to be there. I'll take that. I think that's a good place to call it. So, folks, you know, we thank Charlotte for coming on the show today. Um, AdFreeCities.org.uk. Check it out. And uh, we'll have that listed on the, along with her Twitter and all that, uh, at AdFreeCities uh, will be listed on the Restoring Darkness web website. But, you know, here's my message to you. If you're pissed off, you're upset, all that sort of stuff, light pollution and light pollution abatement and the Restoring Darkness and the Preserving Darkness movement needs you. That's right. Because this is a really super good, cool issue. It's better than climate change because it has a solution. And it contributes to climate change because it saves tons of energy and it helps wildlife. It helps human health. It makes our cities more beautiful. We have all the technology, all the resources, everything we need to make this happen. So if you're frustrated out there and you're spray painting something or whatever, why not come and join, the, join us here on the Restoring Darkness Movement? Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Look no further for dark sky friendly products than Evluma. Since its first product launch, Evluma has carried one or more International Dark Sky Association certified models. If your customer cares about light pollution, suggest the Omnimax with shielding or the Ariamax with full cutoff to reduce uplight and glare. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of darkness.